What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Well, friend, God be crazy. (laughs) He is so crazy in the ways that he lets us know what we need to be talking about. And um, it's so funny. This morning we were talking, we were going through our list, how we normally do things. We have like a, I don't know, five page list of different um, messages, topics topics that that God has given Mm -hmm. us over the course of months. Um, and, And we were just looking at each other like, what, what are we, what do you want? You know, we were asking God, asking the Holy Spirit to just pull one of these off of the page. Let us know what we, what you want us to talk about. And we sat with that list, read it over and over. And what'd you say to me? I said, well, there's really only one I can get behind. Yeah. And you were like, well, which one? And I was like, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to see if you get the same one mm-hmm. because I, I wanted to see, you know, like if we were going to get the same thing, if we were going to, if it were not going to be that topic, if it was going to be something else, maybe you'd say something that, that hit different right. for me. And I would be like, oh, okay. But I just, and so I had it up on my phone. Um, what I had, the, the topic, the only one that I could get behind today, because that's just where I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading. And then you say, and you said, there's, <clears throat> I said, well, I don't know, this one about Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, we had written down on the page, they were filled with the spirit of Satan as a warning to the early church. And I'm like, oh, we need to dive into that. That's some crazy stuff right there. Like God's people in the early church were filled with Satan. Uh, I want to go back and read that. And you turned your phone around. Yeah, I got a big grin on my face and I turned my phone around and it said Ananias and Sapphira because that was what, he was putting on my heart. That's the path he was leading me down today. Mm-hmm. And Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, they they remind me a lot of a lot of people in the church today. And one of the scriptures that stick out to me is 2 Timothy 3, 2 through 5. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And I think about when I hear that scripture, I'm like, oh, that is such a stern description you know like he he lays it out there like these people stay away from and it fit then and it fits now there's sadly so many people in the church that fit these descriptions and as we dig into ananias and sapphira today you know i think 
I think you'll see the ways that God points out the similarities between what's going on then and in the church today and the things that we, if we're smart, will repent for and um, work towards changing ourselves because it's human nature mm-hmm. for, uh, for our sin, our carnal nature and our wants and needs. And for us to put that above what God's will is. And part of becoming a Christian and growing in this and learning to be a mature Christian is, is allowing God's will to be the most important thing in your life. Right. Let him settle into your heart and let him take over your motives instead of it being um, serving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So in um, Acts chapter five is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And so Ananias and Sapphira are in the church. They are among a a body, mm -hmm, a part of the early church, a body of believers. And um, they make some decisions that aren't so wise. And God takes drastic measures to send a message to the, those early believers. So we're going to start a few chapters or a few verses earlier in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and we're going to read through 36 and then right into Acts chapter 5. So in 432, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. There was no one without need. That's just wild in and of itself to think about that. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So then in chapter 5, now Ananias, or now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in and did not know what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. That is crazy. Crazy. They lied 
And in an instant, both of them dropped dead. I know. The, I think something that catches my attention is um, that the scripture says, but Ananias was filled with the fullness of Satan. Yeah. The fullness of He's not talking about like he had a little bit of that going on in the back of his mind or anything like that. What he says is he is filled with the fullness of Satan, not just influenced by him. He's filled yeah. with the fullness of Satan. and. You know, to me, that speaks to a, to a deeper message in this scripture. It wasn't just that they were lying and that they were lying to God and that they were lying to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. It was that they were pretending to have their heart in the right place. They went about to deceive to the degree that they made it look like they were willing to sacrifice their plot of land and the money they got for it for the better of the church because that was the right thing to do. And they made it seem like that's what was in their heart. Yeah. But the spirit knew better. Mm-hmm. And the spirit in, in Peter testified to mm-hmm. him. And he, he recognized that spirit of Satan that had filled Ananias and he knew mm-hmm. that that was a lie. And it wasn't just a lie, but that... It was a, it was a heart issue. Yes, it was. It was a matter of their character that had was different than what they were portraying to their community of believers. You know, it's kind of like this. So in this at this time frame, um, that it's it's early in Acts, and the early church had just, or the or this this particular church had just really started to kick off. You know, Acts chapter mm-hmm. two when. You know, Christ has died. He's been resurrected. Acts chapter 2 happens. The day of Pentecost comes in and 3,000 souls are saved. And like the buzz around town is like, whoa, what's going on with this church? Mm-hmm. You know, people are hearing about mm-hmm. hearing about Christ and hearing about the resurrection and hearing about the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot of people showing up and and lots of people are attempting to, you know, find out what this church is about. And in doing so, People are coming in from all over, and not everyone has motives that are pure. Right. And this is a warning. You know, the Spirit calls them out, and I believe that this, is, this scripture is used as a warning to the church. And it even says that to, the people of the church were afraid when they saw the things. Mm-hmm. And it's because God used this as mm-hmm. a warning to say, hey, you may lie. Because people lie, there's lots of op- you know, there's lots of examples in Scripture where it talks about people lying. I mean, Peter denied denied mm-hmm. he knew Christ three times. You know, like there's there's many more. I don't have to go into all Abraham, of those. Abraham, I mean, yeah. yeah, lots of lots of lies, and they didn't drop dead. Mm-hmm. There was something different here, and that difference was that their hearts, their intent, their intent was to defraud. They wanted to be. Well, they didn't, they probably didn't want to be, but they were phony Christians. They were fake. They were fake. They were fake and they were liars. And God used them as an example to, to, I mean, it says a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Yeah. A great fear would seize me if I had told any lie and these people in my church dropped dead because they, because they lied. I'd be like, oh, you know, but like you said, it wasn't just about the one lie. It was about there. They were pretending to be people that they weren't. 
They were pretending to have hearts that were like the rest of the body or the the way it's described in Acts chapter four, that all of these people had agreed that none of them were above each other and that everyone was committed to the good of each other. And they, they didn't consider their possessions theirs. They considered their possessions everyone's possessions. This is for everyone. Well, and, you know, going back to that topic that I was saying about the the first church and the warnings, you know, this is, mm-hmm. it's reminiscent of Acts 20, 28 through 30, you know, where it says, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all, all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things and draw away the disciples after themselves. He is not talking about people outside the church. Mm-hmm. He is talking about the people in the church. Yeah. Grievous wolves enter among you. Mm. The scripture is clear that we have to have the Holy Spirit in us to be able to discern the fruits of those around us. Because not everyone in your church, not everyone in your friend circle, not everyone in your family that claims that they have a relationship with God and that know, they claim to know him actually does. That's right. That is what this is saying. And this, furthermore, was like the first, I call it the inside job. This yeah. was the first attack from Satan from the inside. He got to. Well, this the, is the, it may not have been the first one, but it's definitely the first one that I, I see here in scripture. You right. know, like the it's first the first one, one that recorded. comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there may be others that we don't know about. Know of, yeah. know of. But yeah. But this is like the, the post-resurrection church yeah. that has been established. And he uses the brethren among them, he gets to them to to hurt them from the inside out. Yeah. And, um, you know, Satan loves to establish attacks upon anything God establishes. You know, any, if God created it, Satan's going to do what he can to destroy it. And it just goes to show that Satan, not only can he, he does enter the heart of believers when they choose, consciously or unconsciously. Right. And that's something, you know, I've heard off and on throughout my life. Oh, I, I have the Holy Spirit. God, you know, Satan can't enter me. Well, you're right if you're living in the spirit and in spirit and truth. But if you are if you are lying to yourself and you're lying to the people around you, I mean, only God knows your heart. Mm-hmm. But if your heart is not true, he can enter. He can. We give him, we open up the door. For him to come in and make home when we choose sin and sin when we choose the same sins over and over and over again we call that a stronghold yeah and we call it a stronghold because it gives satan basically i kind of think of this image comes to mind like it gives him power to basically strangle us in an area of life and and weaken us and when he can do that, I mean, he can get to not just us, but it affects every, people around us. It affects our families. It has, we have consequences. There's greater consequences for my sin when 
Obviously, I'm in a relationship with other believers and other people, my children. You know, it doesn't just, my sin doesn't just affect me. You know, in Ananias and Sapphira, they, their hearts were wrong. We keep saying that. And I want to just go back to that for a second. You know, the attitude that they had was that they were, they were not doing it with pure motives to help the church and to, to share what they had mm. with the body of Christ, they were doing it to get recognition in the church. Yeah. And because they were doing it to get yeah. that recognition, that is a direct manifestation of the nature of Satan. Because mm-hmm. that's what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted the recognition to be above God. And mm-hmm. here they are vying themselves. They may, may not have been thinking they were going to be above God, but they were wanting people to look at them and say, oh, look what they have. You know, Mm -hmm. they wanted to put themselves in a position of power. And that attitude is what aligned them with the nature of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. They cared more about what people thought rather than what God thought. Mm-hmm. Ananias and Sapphira, Sapphira, they were living a lie. They were pretending to be something that they were not. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, they were representing the kingdom of darkness. What's that scripture in Second Corinthians that talks about masquerading as an angel? Oh, yeah. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, And it says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Masquerades. Hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. He pretends to be good. You know, he he hides himself. He's sneaky. He is cunning. You know, we've talked about that a couple episodes Mm -hmm. ago, just how how deceitful he is. Whenever you are lying, you are literally speaking Satan's native language. You know, and Satan has has and is still infiltrating the church today. Mm-hmm. He delights in it. And he uses the things that are important to us as people today. Now, as a society, we place a lot of value on money. We place a lot of value on um, your career and your esteem in the community and your name. You know, like, mm-hmm. are, are you... An upstanding family? Do you check all the boxes? Your reputation? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we put a lot of value on that today. And I think this is a prime example of us needing to remember who we are and the examples that Christ gave us in the early church so as not to wind up being the person <laughs> that wouldn't Give your stuff up mm-hmm. for heaven or for the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it also makes me think about the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Because yeah. he asked, the rich man asked, what do I do to get into, you know, to be saved? What do I do to get into heaven? 
God says, give away everything you have. And follow me. And follow me. And he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it because his love of his things and his money and his kingdom and his vain glories were more important to him mm-hmm. than God. And we find ourselves, if we are honest, we find ourselves in that place sometimes. We I know do. that nobody wants to admit that, but I'm sorry. It, I promise you, if you take a good look inside your heart and put that magnifying glass in your own life, if someone were to come to you and say, listen, if you would sell this house of yours, we could go on a mission trip and fund it. Your first thought's going to be like, where are me and my kids going to live? Mm. Where, where are my family going to go? That's crazy. Why that, would I, why do, would that? I do that? Oh. And, and I'm not saying that everybody should run out and sell everything they have, you know, because that's not what God's called you to do right now. That's not the thing. But I'm just saying, if we really are honest and we put a magnifying glass in our own lives and quit looking around at everybody else to see who is not doing what they're supposed to and get our own mm-hmm. heart right. Yeah. It would make a huge difference in the church today. And, you know, something that that really hits me hard is this in our society we preach a lot of prosperity gospel oh girl yeah we do and i just been hearing that a lot i am i am so i'm just gonna have to the only thing i'm gonna say about that is this when you are preaching the prosperity gospel you are preaching people's minds off of christ and onto themselves what can i get in return for my fiend generosity in other words if i'm giving all of this what are you going to get back yeah how does this benefit me? How does it benefit me in the long run? Listen, if you'll give, that financial blessing and that physical well-being will be there. You know, that's the thing. They they make it sound like it's always the will of God for you to have a positive experience. A po- you know, a positive those, outcome from your from your gift. from your gift. Yeah. You know, like you're you'll get a financial blessing or you'll get a physical blessing of healing or because of Good what you get to you. You know, sometimes if God asks you to do something and it is giving and you give that, then he will bless that gift. Sometimes if you give your last penny and God sees that, but your heart is right and you're not doing it because you know that the preacher said, well, John gave his last hundred dollars and this week he got an extra two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I'm going to do that. See if it works out for me. That's the wrong heart. Totally. You're doing it for the wrong reason. Totally. And that's that's the danger of this mm-hmm. prosperity theology. Sure. I was telling my son on the way to church this this week. Um, we were talking about this very thing. And um, I said, you know, Griffin, sometimes you give $1,000 and you're just out $1,000. And you don't get 10000 back. Or you don't get $1,000 because if you're giving... From the heart, right. you don't expect a right. return. You're giving because, like God says, he, he says he loves a cheerful giver. And if, if we are cheerful when we do that, you know, I, there was a time in my life, and I confess this, that there were years of my life that whenever I started, especially whenever I started really making money as a professional, I was like, man, t- 10% or an offering, like, it's a chunk of change. and I 
coming from a scarcity background or not having, you know, being a poor college student for a lot of years. I was like, dang, that's a lot. And I held on to more than I should have been holding on to. And God got a hold of me, man. He got a hold of me in a lot of ways with my finances. It And he preached at me through many people over many years. And and so it is, it's, it's much different for me now, but I know what that's like to have that, you know, like a stingy mind. I have a stingy mindset. I want to spend my money on me. I want to spend my money on things. I want to spend my money but on. But you know what, friend? That, that right there is exactly where Ananias and Sapphira went wrong. They wanted to keep a portion for themselves. Yeah. And it is literally no different than us today going, mm, well, I already gave a lot because I make a lot of money and I put a lot in there. So uh, I want to spend this money on a vacation with the family. You know, God loves family and he wants families <laughs> to do things together. And you can rationalize that any way you want to. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if your heart isn't right, that's the issue. And I'm not saying don't take a vacation with your family, people. Don't don't come at me. <laughs> I'm saying yeah. your heart matters. The intent right. of your heart matters. And that's what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. And that's in the church today. We're walking a real thin line. Yeah. Even in our own lives, if we are honest. If, if our motives are If off. our motives are not yeah. pure. Yeah. We can do doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Is sin. It is sin. Straight up and sin. People, you know, people say, oh, well, I committed to that. I guess I'll do it. But they don't want to do it. Right. Guess what? Box checking good deeds, sin. Might as well not even doing it. You're right. wasting your time, their mm-hmm. time, and God's time because it doesn't count. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hate it, too. I don't want anyone doing me a favor and hating it. If you hate it, listen, I'll do. I'll take care of myself. I do not like it anyway. But, you- and I just can imagine how... Oh, God sees that as well. If you give to a fellow believer because you hear maybe their house burnt down or their child's sick or someone's been in the hospital or they, they have a flat tire and you know that they'll, they'd struggle a little bit to fix that tire and you you can afford to get that tire, but you do it so that other people will know it, your heart is wrong. Mm-hmm. So you but can if, be their savior and you can be seen and but noticed. If, but if you see that as a need and you know it is, and you can help them with that, and you do it givingly and willingly with wanting and expecting nothing in return, nor any fanfare for it. Right. That is something that God will see. Mm-hmm. And he will, he will recognize that. And he is going to feel a sense of fatherly pride to us, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that he wants us to do. Be yeah. like him. He was a servant first. He's our king and savior, but he was a servant first. Mm -hmm. He did not come to get served, but to serve. Right. And give his life up for for everyone. And he asks us to lay down our crosses Mm -hmm. and follow him. Yeah. To be Christ-like. Set apart. Peculiar people several times in the scripture. Titus 2, 14. I think it's also, yeah, in 1 Peter 2, 9. I think it's a few other places, actually. Oh, there's several places where it talks about um, being a peculiar people. He wants us to be set apart. Mm -hmm. We should be known as different people. If, If we fit into the cultural norm, there's a problem. Huge. 
because we are to be set apart. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to live in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to love the people, but not sin with them. You know, you don't. I mean, you eat with the sinner. You love the sinner, but you don't join them in the party that night. You know what I mean? Right. That, there are ways to show love and to have a pure heart. And you know what? If this is something you struggle with, if, if giving and pure motives are something you struggle with, or maybe it's not that for you. Maybe you give freely, but you hold resentments to a brother or a sister mm. who've hurt you mm-hmm. or who've hurt your family or your kids. Or maybe it's something like that for you that you can't forgive. You know, the father said, or, you know, Jesus says that he will forgive who he will forgive. But to us, we must forgive everyone. Yes. And maybe that's where you struggle. And if that's where you struggle, it's the same. Where is your heart? Right. Because it doesn't have to be about money. Those are topics. That's what it was for Ananias and Sapphira. It was, you know, their own selfish gain that they they wanted to keep some for themselves. And that's what their hang up was. I guess their their motive expressed itself through that content. Mm -hmm. But our heart and motives, it can show up in countless ways what we struggle with. And so we have to examine what is that for us? Like, what's the thing that is tempting for us? Where do we get tempted to serve ourselves rather than or serve our culture and be like our culture rather than be godlike putting god first putting others second and truly putting ourselves last that is that is not how we live in our culture yeah there's only so much grace god gives before he hebrews 10:29s you <laughs> which says yeah for those that don't know how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. So he's saying, think about this. There's no more greater sacrifice than the cross. Mm. Christ shedding his blood for us, that was the ultimate sacrifice. And he is not going to accept half measures from us. Certainly not. Not half-hearted. Have heartedness, lukewarmness is essentially what right. they were. You know, they were going through the motions, going back to Ananias and Sapphira. They're going through the motions and they're playing church and playing we're among you, we're, we're believers. And really, they were frauds. You know, and God is judging his people now. He's determining who are the genuine people, who are the hypocrites, who are mm-hmm. the counterfeits. And it's our job to make sure that. Our deeds bear testimony of Christ. Mm-hmm. Our hearts are pure. You know, that we are doing everything that we do from the right place. Absolutely. He's trying to clean us up because as he warns so many times in the New Testament, I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. Be ready. Don't be, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. You know, it's not going to be at an hour or a time where you're going to be all ready and waiting. Like, be ready at any time. And so he's trying to clean us up. And so we have to search our hearts and we have to ask ourselves and sit in, sit in a full-length mirror and ask ourselves, where do we need to be cleaned up? And we do that, oh my goodness, if you are not getting alone with God, that is the best place yes. to get convicted. Man, he 
He is, for me, anyway, my experience with my alone time with God. Man, I would so rather have the Lord in my secret place and my one-on-one time with God convict me about my sin or my heart or my attitude or my motives or any of that. I would rather him do that. And I want him to tell me because he is a lot nicer than people. (laughs) People, People are hateful, you know, but he is always so gentle with me. Um, speaks truth in love, and he knows how to do that way better than anybody else. So if if you're not spending quiet time with the Lord, if you're not alone with him, if you don't give him time to speak, I cannot impress upon you enough to do so, because he will show you if you earnestly are seeking him and like David asking, like, search me and know my heart, God, pull out anything that is not of you, any iniquity, let that be laid bare, clean that up. He will do that if that is, especially he delights in it. In our world, good grief, with all of the godlessness that exists here, he delights in anybody coming to him and saying, hey, will you show me who I am and clean this up? I want to be different. Yeah. He delights in it. It Makes his heart happy. You know, and once we have looked in that mirror and once we have taken our hearts to God and God has gotten that right the next place we go is judging the spirits and fruits of the people around us it is up to us to test the spirits and to know the difference God gives us that responsibility mm-hmm. he says you better know because If you're of him, you won't be deceived. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, Mm -hmm. you will know the difference. And the only way to get that kind of knowledge is to get alone with God, find your secret place, wrestle with him, confess to him, let him pour into you. And then when you go to church, when you're out in the world, when you meet with your life groups, when you are talking to a friend. Test the spirits. Don't Mm -hmm. take everything someone says to heart and run with it. You better know that that's the truth of God. And, you know, even like Ananias and Sapphira, they look good on the outside. Sure. They knew the truth. Mm -hmm. They played church well. They knew it. Mm -hmm. But they were rotting on the inside. Right. And he had to use them as that example. He had to... If no dire consequence had followed that act, then the people at that time would not have taken seriously what what God is saying. And so he he took great action by striking them dead to show the people at that time, I will not tolerate your hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. I will not tolerate your deceit. Look what happens to people who deceive others in the name of God, who wear the badge of Christian mm-hmm. and actually are playing the game. And he says he hates lukewarm. He would rather spew you out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. Spew you out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. If you are lukewarm. If you are splitting the fence. I used to have a professor in college that said, if you're splitting the fence, you're going to cut your underwear. And I just be like, it's a bad thing to do. Like, you don't want to rip yourself in half. Yeah, and if you're splitting the fence, you've really already made your choice. You've Mm -hmm. chosen... The wrong side. Right. End of story. I mean, you're either with him or you're not. There is no middle. So if you're on the fence, then you're not with him. Correct. And, you know, Satan is the master at getting us to rely on ourselves, 
getting us to rely on others. And then in doing that, when we let other people in our hearts and in our minds, then our faith gets picked apart little by little. And it's our responsibility to make sure that we guard our hearts mm-hmm. and to give those things to God and let him to always take everything to him. That I just I can't drive that home enough. You know, we need to take everything to God. And mm-hmm. but back to Ananias and Sapphira, one thing that we just want to make sure that everyone gets is let nothing be done through selfish, selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Do not let your, the center of your universe be you. Because That's if right. it isn't God first and others second, dying to yourself every day, and it's a daily thing because I don't, I mean, for yes. me, I, I have to fight my selfish nature. I want well, we my all way. do. That's I want my way. I want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. I want to do the things I want to do when God tells me to do something. I mean, man, there's some things he tells me to do. And I already know I don't even need him to specifically tell me because the words in my heart and I know I'm supposed to do them. And I'm like, oh, I am. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, yeah. but we're supposed that to die. That's strong. <laughs> oh, man, it is. And it doesn't go away. We, we have to sit in this body for the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And it likes sin. Yep. It does. (laughs) We have to beat it out of ourselves sometimes, hour by hour. And that's why Paul said, die daily. Mm -hmm. Die hourly, die minutely. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it takes that. It does. It does, man. We are physical. We are spiritual beings and physical bodies. And so there is a pull in both directions. And we get to choose. We get to decide who's going to, what are we going to let take take root in our hearts Mm -hmm. because out of our heart says guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life everything you do will flow out of that out of the abundance of their heart the mouth speaketh Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you know i'm so grateful that god put us in this time i would i'm grateful that we have the scripture that gives the example of ananias and sapphira and we can take that and study it and not make the same mistake, hopefully. Yeah. You know? It was a warning to the early church. It's a warning to the church of present day. Heed the warning. Yeah. Lest you be punished severely. Lest he, t- he Hebrews 10.29s you. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Let's, let's be love and show love to other people. We have not been love. We have no, not put ourselves last. We have been very selfish and... Uh, you know, as a society, we can do better. As a church, Amen. we can do better. We can. The church can do better, folks. Look around. What can you do better? I challenge you th- this next week to really dig into your scripture. Take it to the secret place. Have a wrestle with God and find out where you can be better. How can you be a bre- better servant? How can you be a better follower of Christ? Mm-hmm. And how can you better lead your friends and family? And then take it to the world at large. Mm-hmm. Let's let's all do that. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. 
You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. Mm -hmm.